Welcome to this week's episode of the Sun Institute Podcast, where we welcome Canadian urban missiologist, Dr. Glenn Smith. We're very honored to have Dr. Smith serve as one of our council members at the Institute, but he does so much more than that. Dr. Smith has been the executive director of Christian Direction in Montreal since 1983, and it's a multifaceted ministry committed to the spiritual transformation of cities in the Francophone world of North America. He's also a professor of urban theology and missiology at several universities, including the Baki Graduate University. Um, and I've always said uh, Dr. Glenn Smith is like the Canadian Ray Baki. But he's also a lecturer at McGill University, one of Canada's leading universities. And today on our episode, Dr. Smith and I discuss some of the differences between U.S. and Canadian cities and how Americans and Canadians can learn from one another in church planting. And one of Dr. Smith's area of knowledge is how secularization affects the spirituality of urban cities. And much of what he speaks about draws on the work of Charles Taylor, a fellow Canadian and Montreal resident. We also talk about what it takes for church planners to start churches with holistic ministries to urban cities, especially cities like Montreal, which has been called one of the least church cities in North America. Uh, Also, stay tuned for the conclusion of the podcast where I offer some of my personal experience as a church planter in Canada. So without further ado, Dr. Glenn Smith. Well, Glenn, thanks for uh, being on the podcast with us. I want to just uh, start off our time. Can you share a little bit of the work that you do with Christian Direction? Um, for sure, Daniel. It's good to be on the, the podcast with you. Um, Christian Direction uh, last year celebrated its 50th anniversary. So uh, we've been um, alive. I hope we've been well um, in uh, the cities of Quebec and then subsequently in the, the large cities of the French-speaking world for uh, for for those 50 years. Uh, Most people would recognize Christian Direction as a community development organization, although we tend to stay away from the language of community development and we talk about community engagement. Um, For this reason, um, we partner with churches and social service agencies Mm -hmm. in what we call in Montreal boroughs or in the rest of Quebec boroughs. Uh, most of our American listeners would recognize that as extended neighborhoods, mm-hmm. maybe except for New York where you've got boroughs. Um, and we're involved in spiritual and social transformation. Mm-hmm. So we're very much committed to exegeting neighborhoods, doing the very best research to equip churches and then social service agencies um, to be engaged in pursuing the peace and the well-being our, our, our bias is for adolescents. Yeah. Um, we work with their families, but we're concerned about the transformation also of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're a team of uh, 21 uh, people, mostly living and involved in the greater Montreal area, which is a census metropolitan area of 4.2 million people mm-hmm. in Quebec, which is about 7.8 million people. So it's a, it's a huge urban mm-hmm. area for Quebec. And um, so we couple our community engagement work with a research component, a real bias for Christian witness amongst marginalized populations like um, immigrants from North Africa, uh, street people, um, single moms that are immigrants. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then we also put a great emphasis on equipping and deploying leaders, particularly lay leaders, um, for uh, social and spiritual transformation. Yeah, wow. uh, their areas. So that's really what we're about. Yeah. Wow. So very holistic in your approach. 
Oh, yeah, and definitely. equipping um, uh, the, the the local church to engage in in missions to the people. That's right. Yep. That's right. And so, and what and what really preoccupies us then, because probably the trademark of Christian Direction, if people go onto our website, you would see this. Uh, we're about uh, uh, social and spiritual indicators of a transformed city. Mm-hmm. So uh, we really try to inculcate then having more churches, more Bible studies, more community groups that are intentionally missional and therefore multiplying um, the work of the gospel. Yeah. Uh, but we're very much committed because of our culture to working with uh, social service agencies as well. Okay. So uh, yeah. well, we really walk that line. Yeah. Uh, we hope with integrity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, for our American listeners, uh, I, I don't know if they've, unless they've been in Canada, uh, I don't know if they have a, a good grasp of the urban landscape uh, nationally. Can you give us a, a short history or at least a geographic understanding of what are the major urban centers in yeah. Canada? And then give us a little bit of history of why uh, Quebec has remained French uh, and the, the Quebecois and how that's that may be a different animal in itself in terms yeah. of right. uh, demographics. Yeah. Well, okay, we'll start off just with the history. The history of urban development in Canada goes east to west. Um, and so um, uh, there would have been a time when um, uh, Halifax out on the Atlantic coast um, and then Quebec City, Three Rivers and Montreal would have been the largest urban centers. And this is going back into the 1800s. But there was a time when uh, the largest urban centers in North America would have been um, uh, uh, Boston, New York, Quebec City, Three Rivers, and Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, but then it, they, they moved west. For most of Canada's history, Montreal was the largest uh, census metropolitan area. Um, but now that's been uh, Montreal's been overcome by Toronto, um, but uh, but then it, it moved west and then it just basically followed the train line, and uh, the cities grew up. What most Americans don't realize, it, because of Canada's geography, that Canada is fundamentally an urban country. Mm-hmm. It's not about the Rocky Mountains. It's not about the Great Lakes. Mm. It's about our cities. As I like to tell people, the urban system of Canada is Canada. Mm-hmm. Just from, a, just from a demographic point of view, Daniel, um, um, 80% of Canadians live in cities. Mm, okay, mm-hmm. so that kind of fits the global pattern. That's, yeah. urban, that's urbanization. But what's startling is that one out of every three Canadians lives in either the census metropolitan area of Vancouver, Toronto, or Montreal. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, it's, uh, um, it's huge. Now, Quebec... Um, as I said, for, um, the, I gave the numbers on, on Montreal. 49% of Quebecers live in the census metropolitan area of Montreal. So making a abstraction of the Vatican and Monte Carlo and Singapore, Quebec is the most urban entity in the world. Mm. More people in terms of political area. So, so Quebec is very, very urban. But so, but so therefore, there, so is Canada. Um, what 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 keeps Quebec French is is our history, um, because this is where colonialism um, uh, started in Canada, um, paralleled America. In fact, it's older than most of American uh, uh, American cities, and um, it has it has resolutely maintained its French language and its French culture, um, and the the agreement uh, even after 
the conquest when the British took over from the French, um, and then the pact that was made with the Roman Catholic Church. Um, Quebec just uh, stayed French. Now, it's, it's always a challenge because this is um, a place of 7.8 million people in a North American context of uh, close to uh, well, almost 400 million people. So mm-hmm. the, both the protection and the blossoming of the French language and culture um, uh, is uh, front and center politically all the time. Now, what's interesting is the number of Francophone immigrants that are coming from French Africa, French North Africa, and even from French Europe that immigrate here. And the number of French European companies that want to break into the North American market, they break into it out of Montreal. Wow. Because okay. they they see the similarity, they feel the cultural similarities, uh, and so they they come here. And then immigrants find um, find Quebec much more freeing, much more liberating than uh, than France or Belgium or Switzerland. Mm. Um, so I like to quote Max Weber: uh, "City air makes you free." Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they, yeah. They come. They they come to they come to Montreal and they and they just love it. And, so. and yet the the uh, those who are native to Quebec or uh, the, the Quebecois that they, they would not consider themselves European in in culture. Oh heavens no! Oh heavens yeah. no! No no no! So very They're distant. North American. It's you know it's really interesting. French Quebecers have more in common and feel more affinity for people in New England and Florida um, <laughs> than, than than they do to than they do to French Europe than they do to to Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with the name like Smith, are you are you the in crowd or are you out crowd? I'm the out crowd. You're the out crowd. I've lived here for so long. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, no, uh, I uh, I moved to uh, I moved to uh, Quebec in the mid '70s. Mm-hmm. Moved to Montreal in 1980. My three daughters were born here. Uh-huh. I, most of my ministry here. All of my uh, my missiological research has been um, on Quebec and on Montreal and Canadian cities. So. Yeah. Because I like to say, uh, my daughters are going to bury me here in Montreal. And of course, my enemies say that can be arranged. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So from a missiological perspective, uh, from your, what would you say are the, the differences between Canada and U.S. in approaches to ministry, maybe approaches to, to the way that we think about uh, sharing the gospel uh, to Canadians and U.S., and then refine that a little bit for, for French Canada? Okay. Well... Um, what is, what is really, you know, what, what's common in, let's start off with urban literature. Mm-hmm. Um, we often talk about the North American city. Um, that's just an unmitigated, uh, uh myth. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many differences between Canadian cities and American cities. It's, it's almost, it's, it's startling. Mm. Um, in, in some of my, uh, publications, you know, I get into this, um, uh, just, you know, just urban form. Um, uh, you know, Canadian cities are much more compact, much more denser, have much more density of population. Um, Canadians have a lot fewer freeways. Um, they rely a whole lot more on public transportation. Um, our populations are much more ethnically diverse. Um, high income people stay downtown. Traditional family units are alive and well in our cities. Mm-hmm. Obviously, urban safety um, is is a whole different issue. Mm-hmm. Um our um, urban government and particularly urban fiscal uh, policy is different. I mean, here's, here's a, here's a just reality. Um, American cities only depend on real estate taxes 
um, for 28% of their revenue. The rest of it comes from state and federal government. In Canada, 50% of cities, municipalities, get their funding from real estate taxes, Mm -hmm. the rest from provincial or federal governments. Mm -hmm. In Quebec, 78% of cities are dependent on real estate uh, tax. So as I like to say, cities in Canada are the poor cousins of the Confederation. Mm. Um, so just those forms. Mm-hmm. Um, the the only city in Canada, the only major census metropolitan area, of which there are 24, that even looks like an American city is Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. It's actually in Winnipeg uh, where the expression, the urban expression, the other side of the tracks comes from. Because when they built the railway, um, the tracks went right through the city, and those that lived on the north side, the other side of the tracks, were the Ukrainian immigrants, and they only had one bridge out of the north side into the rest of Winnipeg uh, to keep the Ukrainians in their place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the poorest part part of the city. So, so those realities, so that just from an urban morphology point of view, yeah. here I think is the biggest difference between Canadian cities and American cities. The, the massive secularity... Mm of Canadian cities and the galloping pluralities, not just ethnic pluralities, pluralities of all sorts. Um, and it's just kind of an indication of, uh, of, of how Canadian culture has evolved, particularly over the last 60 years uh, that, uh, that does that. So, um, and in Montreal, at, uh, I, yeah, remember in Montreal. He, and I remember hearing one point that Montreal was um, home to the, the, the least uh, number of, um, I don't know how you want to say it, church attenders, the least church people, um, you know, and I don't know if that stat necessarily um, yeah. uh, considers uh, Catholics, but in terms of Protestant evangelical church attendance or church affiliation, Montreal would be the city that has the least uh, in North America. Oh, oh, yeah, and by far, yeah. Here, and here's where Mon- here's where Montreal. Well, Canada to some sort, to some extent, but certainly Quebec. Seventy five percent, seventy six percent, of Quebecers self identify in census data as being Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. Less than in Montreal, less than four percent go to mass on a monthly basis. Hmm. Catholics in Quebec don't even measure church attendance anymore, mm. parish attendance, month, uh, weekly. They measure it monthly, mm. and it's down to 4%. Wow. Um, uh, Protestants in Quebec represent 4%, uh, almost 5% now of the population. The vast majority of those would be evangelical, but only one in four self-defining evangelical goes to church on a weekly basis. Mm, mm-hmm. So you've got this, this massive shift that's going on in all forms of Christianity mm-hmm. uh, in, in Quebec. And so therefore the number of, the number of evangelical congregations, uh, uh, French, English, and in the cultural communities uh, in Quebec is, uh, well, that's why we say our, our first indicator of a transformed city, if we want to see God transform our cities um, for the glory of his person, then we're just going to need more of them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So, what does that look like from a tactical standpoint? Doing ministry in Montreal. I mean, because it's it's probably going to be less about establishing a lot of worship services. I would imagine. I mean, there seems to be a lot more groundwork that needs to be done. I mean, from your perspective, what what's that yeah. been like? Well, um, here, here's how I like to define Christian witness, because um, this is what this would be the door in. Christian witness to me, Daniel, 
is bearing witness to Jesus Christ and all of his teachings in word and deed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I try to drill that into uh, my own congregation. I try to drill that into my students and into our organization. So we're always like, okay, how do we bear witness to Jesus and all of his teachings and how we do it in word and deed? And we don't tolerate um, by, uh, we don't tolerate tolerate polar, uh, polarities on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, you hold both together, um, and um, and and it's not just some of Jesus' teachings; it's all of Jesus' teachings. Yeah. So therefore, spiritual formation then becomes really important. Yeah. Um, starting missional communities becomes really important. Mm. Uh, I'm part of a recent church plant. We've been around. We're going to celebrate uh, five years here in. Um, uh, in the next uh, two weeks, and uh, we're 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 now up to almost fifteen hundred people. We've got wow. five services going and three sites. Wow. But the key to our church is our missional communities. Yeah, uh, we just make sure that we've got um, we've got. Our goal is to have eighty five percent of our congregation involved in missional communities that meet every other week in the city, and we do it. We're community based. It's just the model we've chosen. Mm-hmm. But people then are together. Um, interacting with the scriptures, they're experiencing life in the spirit as a group, but they're involved in their local community, yeah. um, doing acts of service and justice and Christian witness. Yeah. So that's that's what's working for us in the city. So we've got all we've got fifty five of those groups now wow. going in wow. our congregation. So that that to me is a key. Yeah. But I'm seeing churches all over the city, all over Quebec. That you know, is it a reinterest in the small group movement? Maybe. Um, but it's it's mainly about making sure your small groups are intentionally engaging in their communities mm-hmm. or engaging in their workplace mm-hmm. or in their universities or in their colleges. Yeah. Um, and not just doing Bible study. That's fine. Not just praying. I mean, that's great. But again, bringing it together. Yeah. So I think as culture secularizes, churches have got to become much more unified in how they see the gospel mm-hmm. and and don't prioritize things don't hierarchize things mm-hmm. uh, hold hold all the tensions and uh live by faith by the power of the spirit that, that's kind of my language on this yeah one. well so anecdotally i mean unless you have stats on this but anecdotally when you see people uh, become christians and following christ do they tend to come from that catholic background are they come are they more immigrant background i mean what have you seen in quebec and yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Great question. No. There's. 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 There's great data on that. Mm. Because of the marginalization of the social significance of Jesus and of God and of religion and the Bible and the church, um, um, there's a, there's a there's a whole generation now of people who will self-identify as Roman Catholics, mm-hmm. but are biblically illiterate. Mm-hmm. But they're not anti-church. They're not anti-God. Um, they're young. Um, they've got this taste for spirituality. They have not got a clue what it means. Um, but but they're very open mm. to, uh, to, to Jesus. Um, and so, therefore, the majority of people coming to faith today come from two streams. They come from this secular audience, which is huge mm-hmm. in Quebec. Um and then they also come from the immigrant communities. Um, so, I mean, even in the last uh, two weeks, uh, one of the women in one of our Bible studies downtown in the marketplace, um, she led her Muslim uh, colleague to the Lord. Wow. Um, and it's a wonderful story. So we're seeing all sorts of stuff like that going yeah. on. 
Wow. Yeah. yeah. You, uh, you're part of our Missiologist Council for the Sen Institute, and you gave a presentation uh, about secularization, and you mentioned the three levels or the three kinds of secularization uh, or the, the three ways in which we talk about secularization. I think it was a Charles Taylor yeah, uh, concept. Sure. Can you go through that again real quick? Because I, I found yeah. that to be really helpful to think through yeah. the three different well, categories. Well, you know, classically in the Western world, we've talked about secularism. Mm-hmm. Um, so secularism is the privatization of faith that you get um, Christianity out of the public square. And so therefore we want to have this quote unquote naked public square. It's secular. Mm -hmm. So people are free. uh, People are free to to believe what they want, but they do it privately in their home, in their lives, in their, in their church, but don't take it into the workplace for Pete's sakes. You know, Uh, that's secularism. Um, And that's, that's alive and well. In, in North America. Yeah. Then there is the secularization. That version's a lo- would you say that version's a little bit more, not necessarily antagonistic, but that's that's the that's the version that maybe some evangelicals tend to react to? Is that- no, and that, that is what evangelicals react to. Okay. Oh, and quite frankly, um, if it's done for good reasons, it's a good thing to react to. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because secularism in itself functions as a social imaginary, as a worldview, and so, therefore, it has a religious bias to itself. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the second word then is secularization, which, when I was a when I was a student and I was studying, this was the whole idea about the decline of religion, mm-hmm. and people were were bemoaning the 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 secularization of society. Religion was becoming less and less uh, evident and important. Well, we know that the secularization thesis has been tested, and it's false. Um, if anything's happening in North America, like the rest of the world, religion is alive and well. Um, it's it's not it's not losing ground. It's gaining ground, um, and so therefore the thesis has had to be rethought. If we use the thesis in the sense of the marginalization of the social significance or the public significance of faith, mm-hmm. then then I'm, I'm there's there's room for conversation there because that does happen. Yeah, uh, where Taylor, where Charles Taylor, the the professor emeritus at McGill University, um, has helped me, is not by looking at secularism or by you know discussing the fine points of the thesis of secularization by looking at secularity. Yeah, and in secularity, what we're saying is that 500 years ago, in the Western world, it was publicly impossible. Not to believe in God. Today, it's virtually impossible publicly to believe. So the conditions of faith have been irrevocably altered. And so therefore, as a missiologist and from a missiological point of view, how do we have an authentic encounter with cultures of secularity? Mm -hmm. And that to me is the the big challenge that we face uh, in North America. Yeah. Um, and then across the Western world, would you would you nuance the uh, the levels of secularity between U.S. and Canada? I mean, do you think Canada's further secularized than U.S. or? Oh, when, whenever I whenever I travel in uh, in the United States, I'm always amazed. Even if it's in cities like Boston or places like Dallas, or if I go to Phoenix or if I go to Seattle or end up in LA, I'm always amazed at how alive and well the church is doing, mm-hmm. Roman Catholic, 
Protestant and particularly evangelicalism. Mm -hmm. uh, and so therefore, um, and again, it's, it's a whole different history, partly because, this is funny to say, because of the separation of church and state in the United States, yeah. it's allowed for uh, a plethora of, um, of, of belief systems that are public. Yeah. Uh, what's amazing to me is what I like to refer to affectionately as the Protestantization of the Roman Catholic Church. <laughs> Roman Catholicism looks a whole lot more like Protestantism mm. to me as a non-American. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so, so therefore, well, I mean, what's happened in Canada, uh, because we never had separation of church and state, mm -hmm. um, even to this day, we don't have it. But we've got this massive secularization and this massive secularity. Mm -hmm. And um, um, and uh, and that's just gone hand in hand with uh, hyper individuality, mm -hmm. as I call it. Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. That's the big thing in Canada. Yeah. yeah. That's so, what makes it. And that makes it a challenge in Christian witness. Because so many of us like to talk to people when we bear witness to Jesus about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Daniel, I avoid the expression mm -hmm. because in this culture, people understand a personal relationship with Jesus as a private relationship yeah. with Jesus. Yeah. And that's and that's heretical. That's yeah. just absolutely heretical. Yeah. Um, we, we've got to talk about fresh ways about what does it mean to follow Jesus. Yeah. The other thing that it that does is it affects then how we plant churches because denominations can become hyper corporate individuals that try to do their work without interacting with anybody else. Mm, it's, yeah. it's, just, it's a, it's a, it's a magnified amplified version of hyper individuality. So help me think through it. Cause I think you're hitting on something really important because here I'm going to synthesize a lot of what you've said. So in, in the States, because we had separation church and state that actually led to a greater sense of denominationalism uh, because yeah, you don't have a state yeah. church. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you have a lot of hyper individual corporations or organizations, you know, yeah. denominations, yeah. But now you're saying, oh, you know, we, Canada, I, I, Canada secular. You know, um, what do you what do you say when you see an American denomination saying, "I want to plant churches in Canada. Uh, I want to reach Canadians. <laughs> I want to reach yeah. the secular Canadian." You know, because oh, so I mean, pretend, oh, I know, pretend I know. you're talking to that organization because in some ways you don't want to say no, but you don't want to say yes. I mean, I, I think I understand that tension. Yeah, talk right. to, speak to that. Yeah, I, I affectionately tell some of them when they come to see me. See me, I say I'm going to call the Canadian government, and make sure that they don't allow you into Canada. <laughs> 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 um, I, I think one, one thing I always say to these people, and then I'm going to tell you a good news story. Okay. One thing I say to these people is um, you need to understand that you're doing cross-cultural ministry when mm -hmm. you come to Canada. So however you prepare your church planters and your missionaries to go into the developing world, make sure you do the same process. But they say, but you speak English. And I said, I said, doesn't matter. I'm talking about cross-cultural. I'm not talking about cross-linguistic. Mm. Um, now, the French language does tend to be an extra step there. Um, but I think because our countries are so similar that it's actually harder for Americans to come and do ministry in Canada. Because mm -hmm. it looks the same. It feels the same. I can go home on my holidays, I can celebrate American Thanksgiving. Yeah. 
but they don't realize the culture, the city systems, and particularly the secularity is just so massively different. I've been working for a number of years. Now, here's the good news story um, with the Christian Reformed Church in North America. Mm -hmm. And uh, they came and did their work because they realized they only had one Christian Reformed Church in Quebec. And they, they studied Montreal and they studied Quebec and they realized, is there anything we can do? And so they began to partner with Christian Direction. And one of their mission leaders who works outside of North America said, we need to do in Quebec what we do in the rest of the world. We don't go into the rest of the world to plant CRC, North American churches. Mm. We partner with indigenous movements to extend the, the work of the kingdom. Yeah. And so um, we've been able, we got this wonderful partnership called Mission Montreal, doing outreach with university students, with Muslim immigrants, planting missional communities. And, um, and they've just said, this is about kingdom work. This is not about... Wow. Putting, putting our name in front of churches. Yeah. And um, there's, there's the, I mean, I, I take, I take some of these organizations from the United States that come to Canada, come to Quebec in particular, I take them on what I call my, my cemetery tour. And mm. I show them, okay, this is where this denomination tried to plant this. Yeah. This is where this denomination tried to plant this. And so there's, there's a whole history of failure. Um, I, the other thing I say to, to, to American denominations they said, make sure you have a Canadian counterpart mm -hmm. um, because you cannot solve this issue with money. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And um, and that actually money becomes a form of power and it's not always helpful. Yeah. Oh, uh, help help the American listeners understand this, because other than the Catholic Church, what, what's this? What's the largest denomination? Would it be the United Church? It was historically it was the Anglicans and the United Church. Okay, um, they're they're all in a free fall now. Yep. No, actually the largest the the largest uh, denomination now in Canada after the um, uh, after the Roman Catholic Church is the Pentecostals Assemblies of Canada. Mm, payoff, yeah. Yeah. yeah, payoff, and uh, and yeah. I, mean, I I don't know if Americans understand the scale. So I mean, uh, you know, uh, Canada is what thirty six million. Yeah, 37 million. 37 now. million. U.S. is about 350,000. It's about 10%, a little bit more than 10%. But I, I don't know. It's to, to all the Southern Baptist listeners, I think Southern Baptist churches have close to 50,000 American churches. Its <laughs> Canadian counterpart, I think, is less than 400. Yeah, exactly. So just, to, exactly. just to help people understand the scale. Yeah. But you see, what happens then is, um, and for our Southern Baptist listeners, um, uh, you have to be careful not to accept um, the discourse about just how few um, evangelicals there are. You know, the goal of the kingdom is not planting evangelical churches. Hmm. The goal of the kingdom is, is the glory of Christ and yeah. planting Bible-based multiplying congregations. Mm -hmm. And um, and it just takes time, Daniel. Yeah. It just takes time. Yeah, and I've got friends in the United Church and you know, their effort is to love the United Church in accordance to the Bible. And for those who are who preach from the Bible, teach from the Bible, they're very convicted that God's called them to be in that yeah. denomination and and be a oh, witness yeah. in that. So Yeah. Oh yeah. And there are there there are some thriving um, United uh, Church of Canada congregations. There are some wonderful Anglican churches. Yeah, that are uh, absolutely. Yeah, I was yeah. in I was in Toronto for almost five years, and some fantastic uh, Anglican churches that were planting oh. churches. So, really exciting oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's wonderful to see. Yeah. 
Man, Glenn, this has been great, uh, really helpful. I want to give you an opportunity to, to share one last thing, um, and um, that's if if you were talking to a group of church planning leaders or people who lead church planning organizations, and you just had one thing that you had to uh, that they had to think about that they must consider in order for them to move forward in the future and in regards to planning more churches in North America, what would that one thing be? Daniel, I would I would move right away to the importance of spiritual formation, um, character and virtue formation, not just of the individual church planter and his couple, but of the team and of the church. Mm -hmm. The only way to face the secularity of the culture is to have people who are alive and very well tuned into the triune God. And, um, uh, you know, strategies will come and go. Money will be get wasted. But... um, What's really important is to have leaders and teams of leaders and churches that are very committed to being alive and very in tune to the triune God, and therefore connecting with their neighborhood, connecting with their context, and um, and then bearing witness to Jesus and all of his teachings and word and deed. Dr. Smith offered some important insights into Canada and its current spiritual climate, in particular among urban cities. And as someone who planted in Toronto, Canada's largest city, I can attest to a lot of what Dr. Smith mentioned in our discussion. And from my experience, I'd also add that although cities like Toronto are quickly secularizing, there's tremendous opportunity for new kinds of mission approaches to be developed in these cities. In fact, because of their intense diversity and intense secularization. Cities like Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, these are the new frontier cities or the new frontier uh, locations of missions in North America. And some of these cities are home to some of the best church planters we've seen in North America, planting different kinds of churches that are reaching new kinds of people in North American soil for the first time. Uh, If your organization hasn't yet planted churches in any of these major cities, I'd love to connect you with with people who are so that you can learn from them and then maybe even join them in what God's doing in some of the least church cities in North America. Can you do me a favor? Can you subscribe to our podcast? Let others know about it. You can also share this episode on Twitter and Facebook. Just tell people about it. And if you have any questions or comments, go to sendinstitute.org. Shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. See you in our next episode.